Hey everybody, this is Karis Frigi, and this is a daily devotional podcast where I will read a portion of scripture, a new one every day, and then share some thoughts that I've written on it. I hope it encourages you. Good morning, everyone. Today is April 24th, and we are going to get into Acts chapter 19 today. In verse 1, it says, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about twelve men in all. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This he continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them. Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they continued and they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Now, after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. About that time, there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. And there is danger, not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing and that she may even be deposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. 
When they heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! So the city was filled with confusion, and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians who were Paul's companions in travel. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples would not let him, and even some of the Asiarchs, who were friends of his, sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. Now some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion, and most of them did not know why they had come together. Some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward, and Alexander, motioning with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd, but when they recognized that he was a Jew for about two hours, they all cried out with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! And when the town clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, who is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is temple keeper of the great Artemis and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky? Seeing then that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash, for you have brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of our goddess. If therefore Demetrius and the craftsmen with him have a complaint against anyone, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another, but if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular assembly, for we really are in danger of being charged with rioting today, since there is no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. So this chapter has a lot in it, but I wanted to just pull out a few verses. And they're challenging verses to me, and I think they could be for you, but I want to just put them before us to awaken our hunger. In verse 6, it says, When Paul had laid hands on them, these new believers, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Apparently, in the early church, speaking in tongues and prophesying weren't denominational preferences, but the overflow of something Acts frequently calls the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When I read verses like this, it gives me permission to hunger after the same encounters. It wasn't relegated to emotionalism or Pentecostalism. It was simply the ism of faith. If all we knew of Christendom was based out of this book and not the generations of tradition and examples that we've seen in our lifetimes, how differently would our churches look today? Which begs the question, what tradition are we following? The Bible's or man's? And then another verse in this chapter says, And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Now someone sent us an embroidered handkerchief when my son was sick. His name in scripture was embroidered across the bottom, and I sleep with it now under my pillow. When it came in the mail, this verse was surely the inspiration, and I remember tucking it under Kate's pillow with happy tears. Thank you, Lord, for radical friends who will believe radical verses like this one and do something. For people who won't stand at a distance helpless, but will take Jesus at his word and carry their friends to his feet, confident that something happens when faith is the end goal. Nothing is worse than someone praying for you, and you can tell that they aren't convinced that Jesus, the Jesus that they're talking to, wants to be like he was when he lived on the earth. But to be prayed for by someone confident that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that restructures and restores hope, which is the very first step in healing, after all. And then later in the chapter, it says, 
Paul entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This he continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Now, emaciated religion doesn't hold a candle to the real thing. The real thing is messy. Tongues are strange and risky. What if nothing happens after we pray? But we see Paul here handling rejection the same way he handled reception, with forward movement. Keep going. Keep praying. Keep preaching. All the residents of Asia was his goal. Why would we settle for anything less than all in our pursuit of obedience? Hey, thanks so much for listening today. I know that as I'm reading Acts, I'm, I have said this before and I will say it again. Every time I read Acts, I am filled with a discontent. And I am filled with something that's like bothering me because the church in Acts looks a lot different than the church that I see in many places today and in my own life today. And I'm not satisfied because if this is the standard, I want to live up to it. Not only live up to it, I want to experience it. And I don't want someone to tell me, well, you're just being emotional, Karis, and you're looking for an emotional release. That might be true. And God knows that. But I also want to have a holy hunger. And I want the standard to be the book of Acts not what I see today. And I think um, kind of like in a game of telephone that you play when you're little, how the further away you get from the person who said the original words, the more things are lost. And I also think that could be true with the church. The further we get away from the time Jesus actually walked on the earth, and if we're not submerging ourselves in these stories and, and using these as our standard the more likely we are that when we come to the Bible, we come with a prejudice or we come with our denominational preferences or we come with what we've seen and what we've experienced, which is a terrible and very crippling way to approach the Bible. And I remember in college sitting underneath um, Jimmy Seibert, who's a pastor, and hearing him talk about he would read these stories and lock himself in a room. And he basically just said, God, I cannot follow you and not have this stuff happening in my life because it happened for them. And if you're the same, it could happen for me. And while not all of us will do that, at the same time, there's something to that. There's something to saying, God, you did it then. Do it again in our day. Do it again. This is why so much of the Old Testament, even in Psalms, it's rehashing what God did when he brought the Israelites out of Egypt. And the reason we have to rehash it is because we need to remember God's character. And so as I'm reading Acts, it's almost like, Remembering all the things that I forgot. Remembering all of the things that are actually this rich inheritance we have in Jesus. And it should radically shape our faith. It should create this hunger. And if there's a discrepancy between what we're seeing and what we're experiencing and then what happened in this book, I just wonder what would happen if globally the church was like, we're just not satisfied with what we've seen passed down and we need something that works. And when I read verses like the very end of this, where it talks about how all the residents of Asia believed and heard the word of Paul and not only believed, but so much so that these men at the very end of the chapter are like, we're at risk of losing our trades because no one is buying idols anymore. That's good news. 
That's good news that we have the capacity to turn the world upside down like we read in yesterday's chapter. So those are the thoughts that are stirring on me. You might have heard something different. And I know that these are polarizing topics, but the Bible is not afraid to get into polarizing things. And so I I want that to be my standard. I don't want to be following a man or a person or a denomination. I want to follow Jesus and I want to follow the word that he gave me. And so if it stirs me up and disturbs me, I say, let it be. So that's my prayer for you today. It's like, God, give us encounters with you like the book of Acts. We don't want to settle for anything less. We want to encounter you. So have a wonderful day. See you back here tomorrow.